This podcast is a production of Restoring the Core, an initiative designed to assist those looking to explore classic Christianity with Connected Age resources online at restoringthecore.com. This is Finding Hidden Treasure, episode 107. This episode centers on some thoughts about Psalm 138. Here in the United States, at the time of this recording, we are about to celebrate Thanksgiving. I thought it might be helpful in our year of biblical literacy to reflect together on a brief psalm centered on thankfulness to God. To help me in this, my wife has agreed to read the verses of this psalm. I will supply some commentary between each verse. Let us pray. Holy Lord God, I pray that this reading and reflection will show your glory to those who listen and follow along. Hear us. In the holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Psalm 38 of David, verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. Note that David is giving thanks to the Lord with everything he's got. It falls right in line with how we are to behave in regard to the God who made heaven and earth. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, we find the Lord Jesus quoting from the book of Leviticus when asked about the greatest commandment. While Jesus gave two of them, the first of those was, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. When we do anything in relation to God, we need to do it completely, whether it is how we love Him or how we give Him thanks. It is interesting that the Bible acknowledges gods with a small g. There are those people or things which humans throughout history have given the worship and respect which is due only to the Creator God. In Exodus 12.12, we find the Lord saying that He will bring judgment on the gods of Egypt. In verse 1 of this psalm, we find David, in essence, taunting all of these pretenders by singing praises in front of the pretenders to the one true God. Verse 2. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. In this verse, we find David facing the place where God had specially manifested his presence on earth above the Ark of the Covenant so that he could give thanks to God. It is interesting that this giving thanks is to God's name. God revealed to Moses in the account of the burning bush what he called his memorial name, and by that name he would be remembered. I am that I am. Even in everyday speech, we connect a person with his or her name. For example, to slander someone is said to be ruining someone's good name. David is clear in this verse that he is giving thanks for God's steadfast love and his faithfulness. The steadfast love is, in the Hebrew, hesed, God's covenant love to his people. God's faithfulness is demonstrated to us in such texts as Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, in which God tells us that he will never leave us or forsake us, the essence of his faithfulness to us. We are also given a sense of God's priorities in this verse. Look what he's placed in the highest place, his name and his word. It's no wonder that when we look to the Lord's Prayer, the first request is not for our needs, as important as those might be. It is rather that God's name will be regarded as holy. Verse 3. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. In this verse, 
we find David calling out to God. It is very reminiscent of one of the Bible's earliest references to prayer, found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, that says, People began to call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord does hear our prayer immediately, and yet will supply us with the answer at the right time, His right time. I like the way that the New American Standard Version translates this verse. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Boldness for Christ and boldness in Christ is God's gift to his people. Verse 4. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. It is interesting that David recognizes that he will not be the only king giving God thanks. Somehow, the news of who God is would spread to the non-Jewish peoples as well. Rulers of the earth will give thanks to God. It is gratitude expressed to God because the word of the Lord has come to them as well. Verse 5. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Like David does in verse 1, these kings of the earth will not just say their praises, but sing them. These praises are quite fitting. We know this because of the opposite of these things mentioned by the Apostle Paul in the first chapter of his letter to the Romans. In verse 21, we find that futile thinking and the darkening of a foolish heart developed when those who knew better, that is, knew that God exists, failed to honor him. The old King James Version accurately uses the word glorify here and also failed to thank him. A recipe for spiritual disaster happens when we fail to glorify God and to give him thanks. Verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. What a comfort to know that the greatest power that exists, the greatest mind that exists, is also the greatest love that exists. This great God in heaven is willing to regard the lowliest of us here on earth. As a 17th century British minister, Thomas Goodwin reminds us in his classic book, The Heart of Christ, Christ in heaven is not aloof from his people here on earth. He's closer than he's ever been. Yet those who are great in their own eyes are not great in God's eyes. Verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. What a wonderful promise to us, God's protection of us in the midst of very real trouble and very real opposition. How very much this sounds like the verse from Psalm 23, in which we know that though we walk through the very valley of the shadow of death, we have no need to fear evil. The reference to the right hand of God speaks of his power for his people. We find an example of this in Exodus chapter 15, verse 6, which states, your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. What a marvelous way to end this psalm, knowing that God will fulfill our purpose here on earth in light of, once again, his steadfast love for us. It is true of the Psalms that so many of the themes we find are repeated throughout. This is no exception. We only have to turn back two Psalms to Psalm 136 to find the repetition of the phrase, His steadfast love endures forever. Lastly, we find David's prayer is ours as well, that God would not forsake his own handiwork in us. 
we know that God will not forsake his people. Yet we find instances here and in the Lord's Prayer and in Daniel's Prayer in Daniel chapter 9 that though an event is certain to occur, we find biblical warrant to pray concerning that event. According to the pattern of Scripture, we are called to not only pray for things that are uncertain from our perspective, but also those things that are certain as well. It is my hope that you will take the time to read and reflect on this short psalm. See how David's experience of thankfulness and prayerfulness is called to be our own. Finally, Happy, Happy Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving from Finding, Finding Hidden Treasure. Thank you for listening to this program. We can be contacted at mail at restoringthecore.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash restoringthecore. You can also follow us on Twitter at RestoreTheCore. My original blog is still active. It is found at schoolofthesolitaryplace.blogspot.com. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for Finding Hidden Treasure.